3: All right, everybody, it is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am Mike Hack here in Dallas, Texas, where it is a billion degrees pretty much every second of every single day. Here for the festivities leading into, and then obviously on Saturday, of the Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz fight. We didn't do a show on Tuesday. It was a travel day. So solicited some questions, got some doozies, had an interview with Kenny Florian. So if you missed it, you can go back in the podcast network and check that out. Yesterday was the open workouts in Dallas and for Paul Diaz and it was a long afternoon. It was interesting. There were a lot of people there. I was surprised how many people showed up to this thing because normally you don't know, right? It's Wednesday afternoon. It's the middle of the week. People are working. You don't know how many people are going to show up, but there are a couple hundred people there. Um, met some very nice people, took some pictures with some folks, The MMA hour was obviously live there with with Ariel and the crew and all the fighters going up there. I got to make my MMA hour debut, which is pretty cool and completely unexpected. I just kind of walked over to the area, and Ariel's like, come on up. So I got to jump on there for a few minutes, which is really, really cool. And it was an interesting day, to say the least. We got to hear from Jake Paul. We got to hear from Nate Diaz. We got to watch Jake work out a little bit. Nate didn't work out at all. Him and Chris Avila just did a – Chris just kind of bounced around. Nate did a QA and a and then he got the hell out of there. And then Nate was going to do a scrum with us. And he saw the cameras out there, and someone asked him a question, and he was just like – answered it and then left. And we we're like, okay. But luckily, his wonderful manager, Zach, let a couple of us go backstage and and, and do a quick – three or four minute thing with Nate Nate's attitude with this whole thing is really interesting to me. I don't really know if he's playing mind games with Jake. Cause he just seems like completely uninterested in all of this. And I don't know if he's doing this to get under Jake's skin or if he just is not interested in this at all. It's really fascinating. And we'll find out at the press conference, kind of where he's at. We'll see them go face to face again. We'll see what happens there. And then tomorrow's the weigh-ins. There'll be a morning weigh-in, which reminds me. I'm going to try to do a show tomorrow, but it's probably not going to be the normal time. It'll be a little bit later because the morning weigh-ins, the official ones, start right when this show would start. So I might just do something where the morning weigh-ins are when that's over and just jump on here for 45 minutes or so and answer some questions. But so we got that event. We got UFC Nashville coming up on Saturday as well. Corey Sanhagen versus Rob font. It's a pretty decent card. Top three fights are really good. A lot of the prelim fights are closely matched for the most part. It should be a fun watch, but obviously there's a lot going on in combat sports. So you kind of have to pick and choose. Do you want to watch UFC Nashville? Do you want to watch Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz? PFL's back. Their first playoff event is tomorrow. There's a lot going on, my friends. There's a lot going on. We're still just a few days removed from UFC 291, where Justin Gaethje knocked out Dustin Poirier to win the BMF title. Alex Pereira jumped into the light heavyweight title mix. He's probably going to get a light heavyweight title shot against Yuri Prahashka to crown a new champion. Jamal Hills pissed at us for his ranking spot, even though it's the exact same. It was in January, but I don't want to get all fired up about that. There's a lot to talk about. So let's get into this. Let's hear from you all. Cole was first in line. So we will begin with him. What's up, man. Good
4: morning, Mike. Really enjoyed your appearance on the MMA hour yesterday. Although it was pretty brief. And at the end, I just, I was excited to see you. I was unexpected, but, uh, um, I just want your thoughts. I just got done listening to No Bet's Bard. Jed says even if the best version of Jessica Andrade shows up, that Tatiana Suarez still beats her. I just kind of want your thoughts on that. And just your thoughts on if, any, if you think any of those lines are inflated at all. Jed thinks that main event line is a little bit off, and he took the dog, Rob Font. So I just kind of want your thoughts on that. I'm super excited. And are there going to be any boots on the ground in Nashville this weekend for MMA fighting? That's all I got. Have a heck of a day.
3: Thanks, man. Uh, No boots on the ground in Nashville. We're discussing this. Um, We will be dropping a BTL on the podcast network a little bit later. I basically did the workouts and just like ran back to the hotel and recorded BTL with Jed. had no topics, had no plan. We just hit record and went. And we talked about that. I think if Umar was still in the fight, maybe Jed would have gone. Uh, there's just too much going on. We got the coverage. We got Jake Paul, Nate Diaz. There's just so much going on that it's almost it's it's really really tough. I do think the main event line is is a is a bit off. Minus three forty for Corey Sanhagen come back on Rob Fons plus two seventy. Like I would totally understand if Corey Sanhagen's the favorite. You want to line him like minus two forty, minus two thirty. I get it. Minus 340 seems a little wide to me. So I do feel from a betting perspective, the value is on Rob. And to me, I think Rob just Rob just needs this one more, in my opinion. Corey's suffered some losses and has been able to come back. I feel like in a lot of ways, Sanhagen hasn't peaked yet. Like he hasn't reached Everything he's going to be, I still think there's a little bit more evolution to his game that we're going to see. As far as Rob goes, yeah, you could still evolve and you could still add wrinkles to your game, but we kind of know who Rob is. And that's a really solid fighter. And it's not like Rob is stepping in just off the couch and on two weeks' notice. Rob is already preparing for a fight. And for Rob, like he had to take this fight. And I think even if Song Yidong could still fight in Boston. I still think Rob kind of had to take this one. This is his chance. If Rob ever wants to fight for a UFC title, he has to win this fight on Saturday. This is probably his last chance to, to chase that. And Rob's really good. Rob's Rob's a little more well-rounded than people give him credit for. Rob's a pretty good wrestler. Corey's good on the ground. Um... It's going to be an interesting fight. The stand-up exchanges will be interesting. I think you know he's got a little more tools in the armor, but Rob can crack, man. Rob gets that volume going. He's tough for ed- for anybody. Corey's kind of the same way, but when Rob wants to turn that power on, he can. It's got to be an interesting fight. I I lean Sandhagen, but I think that line is too wide. As far as the Suarez Andrade thing, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Like if Just Andrade went out there and beat out Deanna Suarez, I'd be like, whoa, that's kind of crazy, but. I wouldn't be totally shocked. But I just feel like Jessica's in a tough spot right now. She's had some some tough goes of it. She hasn't... I mean, she, Aaron Blanchfield to Jan Janan to Tatiana Suarez. If Tatiana Suarez gets this fight to the ground, Jessica Andrade's in trouble. And she's got to get this fight to the ground. So, I'm, I'm not like fully with Jed on that. But... Because I do... I mean, there, there is a path to victory for Jessica Andrade. If she could somehow... Keep this on the feet. She's got a chance. But if Suarez gets her down, it's gonna be a rough night for her. Let's go to Toke. What's up, Toke?
5: An all-time rant from you on the ranking show about Jamal Hill. I mean, the, I didn't know you could hit the high notes, Mike. That was uh that was very Almost squeaky, how how high your voice went. Um, but I will say one thing about Jamal Hill, though. Um, sometimes, I mean, I watched his react reacting video to the Yuri interview, which was I felt like he had better points there in the way that Ariel he asks his questions, and sometimes it seems. The way that he's kind of taking Jamal Hill out of context uh, with... uh, I mean, all Jamal Hill did to Yuri was when Yuri was sending stuff uh, about, oh, uh, I'm going to fight you whenever uh, and I'm, uh, you know... (laughs) Jamal Hill, he just said, where you at, though? Because... And that's not really... That's not really trash talk. That's just hey, uh, I'm ready when you are. I'm ready when, when you're back from injury. So I, w- I don't know if you ha- watched that video yet, but I would like your reaction on that if you have. And other than that, uh, I'm kind of curious about how much you know about uh, the last pirate who just uh, signed with the UFC, Morgan Cherrier, or however you pronounce it, uh, from Cage Warriors. So he, he's very interesting to me. And he hasn't lost a unanimous decision since 2017. He he's lost some very close ones, majority decisions, split decisions, what have you. And uh, he's just been signed, and apparently might be fighting on the UFC Paris card. So uh, those two things uh, are all for me. Thank you.
3: Thank you, sir. Um, I think his fight is booked. Let me see. I. I'll go to big Marcel real quick just to see if because uh, if it's happening and it's booked, then Marcel probably posts about it. Uh, he's fighting Manolo Zacchini at UFC Paris uh, on September 2nd. Look, it's a good signing. It's, it's, it's a good signing. He's looked really good, and they're going to Paris, so it makes a lot of sense to have him on the card. Now we're just going to get freaking Lazy King there, and we, we've checked off all the boxes. But, yeah, Morgan's a very solid hand, and he's exciting. And he'll probably get a nice win at, at Paris. So a good signing. Um let me pull up this thing. So did I did I watch the Jamal Hill reaction? Not the whole thing. I did watch bits and pieces of it. Here's here's the thing. There was a certain point in that video, and you talked and you mentioned it where Jamal Hill defended, oh, when did I say anything? When did I talk shit? Whatever. Um, What Ariel is referring to specifically is not the interviews and not the where you at. On June 27th, if you go to Jamal Hill's Twitter, Terrence McKinney tweeted out a picture of Yuri Perhashka on the top of a mountain. And Terrence McKinney tweeted, Yuri will literally climb a mountain to avoid fighting sweet dreams. And to which Jamal Hill quote tweeted it and said, I see no lies. And the way... Ariel presented the question. It wasn't Ariel. Didn't say Jamal. Jamal talked trash about you. Jamal said you were scared. Jamal said you were that that you were running away. What Ariel said was, it seemed to be that I'm trying. I don't remember the exact terminology, but he was saying, you know, somewhat like portraying perhaps that, you know, that you're ducking him and. The way Ariel asked the question, I don't think Ariel is really wrong there because we have it right here. You just go to the tweet and see it. Terrence Kitty, Yuri will literally climb a mountain to avoid fighting sweet dreams. Jamal Hill says, I see no lies. So he is insinuating with, the, with that tweet that Yuri's kind of ducking him. So that's where that came from. And I thought the way Ariel presented the question, I didn't think there was really anything wrong with that. As far as, I'm not really going to dive into it much more because not really my thing, but that's t- that to me is where that came from. And I thought the way Ariel presented the question, I didn't think there was anything truly wrong with it because he didn't just flat out say, oh, Yuri Prashka said that you were ducking him. But I think he was referencing this, this quote tweet more than anything. As far as Jamal and the rankings go, like that thing, that whole conversation is just so ridiculous. It's so stupid. Jamal Hill has been my number four ranked light heavyweight since January. Nothing has changed. I have not dropped him anywhere. He has not risen anywhere because he hasn't fought since January. He hasn't done anything. And that's not his fault. I'm not blaming him for that. But to me, beating Glover Teixeira in a fight that should have never been made in the first place Because you just needed a light heavyweight. That fight was made out of spite more than anything from Dana White because he hated the Ankalaev Jan Bohovich fight so much. And he wasn't going to give Ankalayev a title shot. So he's just like, all right, we're just going to throw these dudes on there. Let's give Glover what he wants. And we'll Jamal Hill's already booked a fight, so let's just put him in there. And Jamal looked incredible. He looked incredible. But he didn't beat the number one guy. He didn't beat the champion. To me, Yuri Prohashka is still the champion. He never lost the belt in the fight. He was booked to fight in December. To me, J- Yuri Prashka is still the number one light heavyweight in the world. Clover at the time was number four. Jamal beats him. He's number four. Just like Alex Pereira beating Jan Blachowicz. Jan was number five. Alex Pereira is now number five. And what we said when we were having this debate in January is if Jamal Hill wins his next fight, he's going to be the number one light heavyweight in the world in my rankings. But beating Glover Teixeira, who was already one foot out the door in a fight that was just cobbled together because because the president of the company hated the previous title fight, to me, that doesn't make you the best light heavyweight in the world. Yeah, you won the UFC title, and I will never take anything away from his performance and what he accomplished. It was incredible. But he didn't beat the best light heavyweight in the world, in my humble opinion. To me, that's Yuri Prohoshka. And on top of that, to make this – when you have situations like this, you don't even take – you don't even put the title into consideration because now there's no champion. Now there's no champion at all. So you have to take that in, into consideration. And had Mahomet Ankalaev gotten the decision against Jan Blachowicz, which a lot of people felt he should have gotten, we're not having this conversation. In fact, Jamal Hill might not even be like a top seven light heavyweight because Jamal Hill would have fought Anthony Smith. He beats Anthony Smith, who I think in our rankings is like nine or ten. He'd be like number nine right now. So I don't understand why this is such a big problem. I really don't. This is literally the same discussion we've had since January. When he won the title, we didn't rank him number one. We explained ourselves. And Jamal hasn't dropped since. He's been in the same ranking. And he hasn't had a fight since he won the title. And, uh, and just to reiterate, when Jamal Hill comes back and he fights whoever wins the Yeri versus Pereira fight, winner of that fight is probably going to be number one. Jamal goes in and beats that guy and wins the title. He's number one. That's it. That's it. Just because you win a UFC title doesn't make you number one. Most times it does. But in situations like this, it doesn't make you number one. It doesn't. But he's still number four. And he hasn't moved. I don't know. I don't know why this was a big... My my yelling and screaming wasn't towards Jamal Hill. It was towards the people who were like defending him saying that our rankings were stupid. There was someone who literally said, our our rankings are casual because we have Bellator fighters in it. What are you talking about? Because there's Bellator fighters, our rankings are casual? What the fuck does that mean? So dumb. So my rant was basically towards them. And there were people like, how could you drop Jamal Hill? And my whole rant was like, look at the fucking graphic. Do you see a red arrow or a number next to Jamal Hill's name? Idiot. Unbelievable. The
0: NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
1: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
6: CV, hello. Yo, Mike. Heck of a morning.
2: Um, glad to see you got some rub on the MMA hour yesterday. Uh, some thoughts uh, from 291. I um, think we have a new mythical fighter in Patient Uh Would love to see him fight Conor McGregor, personally. Yeah. Um, and also, um, just a quick question for me. Um, I saw that uh, Shavkat had, I don't know, had to pull out of the of the Shavkat fight. Um, who do you think would be like a viable replacement for him? Uh, maybe JDM for the Australia card, but that would probably be too early for them to match up
3: those two prospects. Uh, but what do you think? So, Shavkat ain't fighting JDM. Why would he do that? Makes no sense. He's definitely not fighting September 16th because that doesn't make any sense because of what that card is. My guess I know the great Daniel Rubenstein said that they approached the UFC saying, We want either Wonder Boy or Usman. And I don't think either of those fights are going to happen. I certainly don't think Wonder Boy's taking that fight. I don't think Usman's going to take it. So my guess, and this is not the most exciting thing in the world, but uh, I think they're just going to rebook it. I think they're just going to rebook it. I, b- I believe Gaslam said something about just give me some more time to heal up. Maybe November. Do it at MSG. Do it at Two Ninety Five. I just, I, I just think this is kind of the right, the right fight to make. Just do it. Because none of the top five guys are going to fight Shafqat right now. Could the UFC just like be really pricky about it and be like, hey, Bilal, <laughs> hey, Bilal Muhammad, now you have to fight Shafqat." But we promise you this is the number one contender fight. Could they do that? Sure. If I'm Bilal, I ain't touching that with 10-foot pole. But I think for for Shafqat, if they say, look, let's just rebook this for MSG, you can't say no to that. You work. You're not gonna be able to fight September 16th, anyways. Just wait. Get on the bigger card. Do that. So that that's my guess. Is they're just gonna go ahead and do that. Patient Gaethje is is kind of been around for a minute, but this is like a different dude. We saw we saw Patient Gaethje for the most part in the Fazib fight, but then it got to the point in the in the third round where Fazib cracked him, and he was just like, "Okay, can't be Patient Gaethje anymore." And he just started chucking ninety-five mile an hour fastballs at him, but the head kick, man, not a not a not a strike. Gaethje throws all that often, but boy, did that thing land, and it was spectacular. I'll tell you what, I I am intrigued by anything Justin Gaethje does next. If he fights Connor, that's I mean, obviously a massive fight. I think. I don't know if, I'm not going to say there's a chance they make it, but Gaethje hasn't really been this into the idea. I was kind of surprised to see him tweet back at Connor. Because usually Gaethje just kind of no-sells him, as he did on Saturday. And then to see him tweet like that, I was like, oh, interesting. But if you're Gaethje, like, why not? Why not try to get that fight for December? Take a shot, get the big bag. Gaethje probably beats him. And then we can go fight for the belt after that. But to me, I don't think, I don't think that fight's going to happen. And if it does, it it sucks for Michael Chandler. All this time spent trying to get this fight. Connor just does not care about Michael Chandler at all. Which is wild to me. This whole thing was built to build this fight. And now Connor's just completely no-selling Chandler. It's wild. Absolutely wild. Let's go. Yes, sir. 4 round sniper. Hey, I'm How, are good. How are you?
0: Good. Hey, heck of a morning. Uh, real quick for you, Corey Sanhagen and Rob Font fight, I believe, in the main event this weekend. Uh, I don't know exactly what happens to Corey, assuming he wins this fight. Do you see him fighting like a Henry Cejudo or maybe rematching – or not rematching, but the UFC rebooking him and Umar? Uh, or do you think they ice him and hopefully have him wait for a title shot? What do you think happens?
3: to say. We, I really, we really can't answer that question until August 19th. We have to see what happens with this Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley title fight. If I'm Corey Sandhagen and I win this fight, hell, if I'm Rob Font and I win this fight, I am the biggest Aljamain Sterling fan in the world. I'm the biggest Aljamain Sterling fan in the world because if Aljo wins, as he said, he's vacate. He's probably gonna vacate and go up to one th- go up to 145 and try to tackle that mountain. Which means they're gonna vacate the title, which means Marab Dewalish will will be one half of that fight m- more than likely. And then the winner of that fight can just fight Marab. That's how I mean that's that's how I think this is gonna play out. If Sean O'Malley wins, all bets are off. Because could they do a rematch? Like, if it's a super compelling fight and Aljo wants to do it? Maybe. And then on the other hand, if Marlon Vera beats Pedro Munoz, they're going to make that fight. Even though Vera's just lost to Sanhagen, and Sanhagen will probably be rightfully pissed about it, the biggest fight you can make at 135 right now is the shot O'Malley-Marlon Vera rematch. And if it's for the title... UFC is absolutely going to make that fight. So, Marlon, I mean, Pager's going to be a tough fight for Marlon. I do think Marlon will win. And at that point, you just need to hope that Aljo wins so that there is no champ. Marab will fight probably Font or Sanhagen, and we go from there. And then Umar can fight the loser of this fight, or he can go fight Song Yudong. Umar will have his opportunity, but... Just the timing of this all for, for Umar is just not great. But that's kind of how I feel. We Again, we were, we're really not going to have an answer to this until after 292, but that's the way I see it. Four Corner Sports. What's up, man? Hey, Mike. Are you able to hear me? All right, I can. Cool, cool.
2: So um, I wanted to talk about a couple things. USC uh, 291, I think, was phenomenal. Um, I believe that uh, – we might not see Geishy fight realistically up until I feel like the the ending of the first quarter of next year. So he's gonna have a lot. Geishy's gonna have a lot of time to golf and you know recover from the the war that he had with. I mean, I, if you want to call it a war, cause it was a very quick fight. A lot quicker than I thought it was gonna last. But um, do you estimate that he might fight? you know, around that time period that, that I'm kind of, like, forecasting uh, for Gaethje against the winner of the lightweight title fight. And if it's Charles Oliveira that wins somehow, um, do you see the UFC pushing for a trilogy fight between Islam and, and Charles, or does uh, Gaethje, you know, slide in ab- above the, above Islam if Charles wins? Um, I wanted to talk about Derek Lewis. Now, Derek Lewis I thought it was kind of you know interesting that he threw the flying knee. I do not even think he he actually threw it knowing that Masvidal was probably inside the crowd. So that was kind of funny. Um, I saw like uh something on Twitter of like side by side, you know, them throwing the flying knee, and I was like, was, I thought it was pretty hilarious. I thought that was like the best post fight you know celebration that I seen in quite some time. And um, what's the like what's the likelihood, uh, Derek Lewis? Does sign with the PFL. I know you and Kenny Florian um, had your interview, and I thought that was pretty great. But I'm very interested to see if the PFL does throw him in an offer, and if he and if he does sign with the PFL, um, what are like the the contract talks? You think the USC would try to like hold on to Derek Lewis so he doesn't go over there? Um, and then lastly, for Font versus Sanhagen, I do believe that that Umar um what's it called having the injury that he is um he might not see a title shot up until like the ending part of next year because I feel like this was gonna be his good shot to at least, you know, catapult his way into the bantamweight division, especially with uh, Aljo saying that he's gonna move up to one forty five. But if Font is able to pull up the upset, right? And I don't really I see this kind of as like a sixty forty type of a fight and I kind of feel like Font has a good chance of winning this fight. Um, if Font does win, um, when do you think that he, well, we, will, we will be able to see him fight again? And does he fight somebody of a Piotr Jan, or you think that he just holds stagnant until so he could get himself into maybe like a number one contender or a title fight? Thanks.
3: Uh, as I said earlier, uh, I think the winner of this fight positions himself very well for a title shot. Even Font. Even Font, who lost a couple and had the great win over Adrian Yanes, he stepped in, did the UFC a solid. And if Umar was going to get a title shot beating Corey Sanhagen, then Rob Font should get one. Plain and simple, we're, we're trying to crown a new champion, get this division forward. That's if Aljamain wins. Again, the winner of that, the winner of Saturday's fight, is the biggest Aljamain Sterling fan on planet Earth. That's their best shot at getting the title shot. So I do think the winner gets will if Aljo wins, the winner will probably fight Mirab, and no offense to either guy will probably lose to Marab. And Marab will probably win the title. So that's what I think there. Derek Lewis PFL. It's 50, to me. Jed talks about this on BTL, so I'll let you listen to that later to get his thoughts on it. It's 50 50. It's 50/50. If I'm Derek Lewis, if I am his team, if I am his manager, you have to sit down with the PFL and listen to what they have to say. because they're going if he's going if they're going, like, hey, you're coming in to fight Francis. If what they are telling us, if what Francis has told us, if we are to believe what he says is true, then minimum, the minimum amount of money they will be paid, To fight Francis is two million. And if I'm Derek Lewis, I'm saying I ain't fighting for two million, I'm fighting for three. What's the PFL gonna say? No. If they're gonna give it to anybody for two, if that's the minimum, Derek Lewis should say, I'm worth three. And guess what? He probably is right now. Compared to anti Jelijah or a lot of these other heavyweights that that could be in play here. So and then Derek would have to go back to the UFC and say, hey, they offered me $3 million to fight Francis. The UFC would have to try to match that. And most cases they wouldn't. However, to try to stick it to their buddy Francis, maybe they say, fine, we'll give you $3 million. It's not like they can't afford it. They might just do that despite Francis. So if, I, if, if, they just, if Derek just re-signs with the UFC right now, it's just not a smart decision. And to and to me, like what is what else is there for Francis to do in the UFC? He could fight Jarzinho. We haven't seen that fight yet. Andre Orlovsky. Like, who is he gonna fight? He's already fought everybody. He's not fighting for a title anytime soon. He's lost to Gon. Pavlovich melted him. Tied to knocked him out. He got a great win here against Marcus Jerry DeLiba, but and it was a great moment. And God bless that man for getting into great shape and getting over the way he did and putting his stock as high as it is right now. But I think he's got to take PFL very seriously. So 50 50 to me. Jed feels one side completely outweighs the other. And I don't think he's wrong. You could listen to that later on. But. Bum Francis, I'm taking the PFL very, very seriously. Very, very seriously. Even if you're there for two fights. Go fight Francis, fight one more time, and get the fuck out of there. You can always go back to the UFC if you want to. Or you can go box somebody and make a whole bunch of money there. Like, Yeah, I, I think he has to take them very seriously. Gaethje, yeah... I mean, we probably won't see him until next year. Unless he decides to fight Connor and the UFC really wants to make that fight. Then that'll happen sooner. So Gaethje will have to fight before that. And you will probably win. So it, it all depends on what he wants. Because if Islam beats Charles, Islam's not the type. Like, Islam doesn't fight every three months. He fights, like, every six, seven months. He fights twice a year, like clockwork. So Islam beats Charles, that's October. I mean, he did turn around in February. I would say, like, March, they would probably do that. And if Charles wins, I I think they would just go right to Gaethje. It's not like Islam has defended the title seven times. He's only defended it once, and he hasn't defended it against anybody in his actual division. So, and it kind of just depends on the fight. Like, if Oliveira wins a controversial decision or something, and it's a really good fight, they could just go back to that well, but... Yeah, I kind of feel like is going to get the winner no matter what. But to me, it's probably, he's probably going to fight Islam. It's an interesting fight. But I'd like to see the Charles fight again. That fight did not last very long, but that fight is incredibly fun. For however long that lasted. It was one of the craziest rounds you'll ever see. Gaethje dropped Oliveira a bunch. Oliveira dropped Gaethje. Then tapped him. It was just fucking wild, man. That whole, that whole week was crazy with the weight miss and Oliver getting stripped to the belt and going in and fighting Makachev, which people forget that it was for, for the vacant title because Oliver wasn't the champion. I mean, most people considered him the champion, most people considered that a title defense. Even I make the mistake of doing that. Like, when well, i write up something about Islam Makachev, like, I have to, it, it may even gotten. Live this this way that, you know, took the belts from, he took the belt from Oliveira when in reality he didn't. But Gage is in a tremendous spot. He'll get one more shot and I'm really interested in it. Let's go to Abswalia. What's up, Abswalia?
7: How's it going? But I'm good. You yeah, know, so, um, you know, there's been a lot of great UFC events over the last two months since last time so I spoke to you. Um, I just want to get your thoughts. Overall, how would you rate the month of July for UFC cards and events overall? And also, with the upcoming events, seeing how do you see fights like this coming weekend, Rob Form versus... Corey Sanhagen playing out, and what would possibly be at stake for either fighter if they were to win their fight. And um, my other question, my other thing I also want to say is I'm also loving the way the UFC have been planning some of their upcoming fight nights, like the Singapore card, like the France card, and actually even the RDA versus Vicente Luque card. I think that's a very overlooked card that people are not realizing, but it's quite decently stacked there's you know if, whether you're casual or a hardcore fan there's definitely fighters that you would recognize there that you know have got some interesting matches that you know have full potential anyway man have a great day I'll see you again tomorrow how would a great July
4: um
3: uh... A B? BB B, B minus? I'll go B. Look, Strickland Magomedov was not a great card. I uh, had some moments, but it wasn't a great card. The main event was still like the weirdest main event ever. 290 was incredible. It's one of the best events of all time. Blando Silva was awful. UFC London was pretty bad up until the last couple fights. And a couple of sprinkles in between. And two ninety one was 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 good. It was an emotional roller coaster. Two ninety one was the good was incredible and the bad was awful. Uh, the bad hurt our feelings. Watching Tony Ferguson get busted up again, watching Kiesa just get kind of run over by Kevin Holland didn't leave great feelings, great taste in our mouths. But two ninety was so good. Two ninety one was interesting and had its moments, like the last. Derek from Derek Lewis on, like even though the Pereira, even though the Pereira fight wasn't this fireworks display, it was still really interesting to see sort of wrink, newer wrinkles to Pereira's game. Sanhagen fought I kind of talked about. Um, let me look at this Luke Arda card because that's going to be the one that is going to lead us into two ninety two. This is kind of a tough one, man. I mean, there's it's kind of a tough one. Main event's good. Cub Swanson, Hakeem Duadu's good. We got Yasmin Lucindo back. It's this is an apexy apex card if if there ever was one. Tafan and Chukwi, AJ Dobson, Khalil Roundtree, Chris Dacus, Josh Fremt, Jamie Pickett. Monster at Ruiz, Jacqueline Amarim, Francis Marshall, Isaac Dulgarian. I mean, just a ton of contender series. Looking for a fight talent on this card. Ultimate fighter talent. Brady Highstand, Damon Blackshear, Marcus McGee, JP Bays, Juliana Miller, Luana Santos, Josh Paris, and Martin Boudet. This is like. This is an apex the apex card. This is like. Yeah, this is the definition of an Apexy Apex card. Will it be a fine watch? Probably I mean I think they're all fine watches. But you don't you're not going to run to this card. If you just happen to be walking around and you're like, "Oh, what's this?" You might check it out for a minute, but you're not going to like run to it. You're not going to sprint to this card. 292 is a little different. Then we go to Singapore. When do they actually have a week off? That's my question. Not till the end of September. So we still have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight week eight weekends in a row with UFC events. Then they take a Saturday off before they go back to the Apex on the 7th, back to the Apex on the 14th, and then Abu Dhabi the following week so buckle up so a lot of fights coming your way but yeah RDA Luke a is very apexy Daniel Fitz, what's up, buddy? Daniel, are you there? Yeah, I'm not getting you. Bump out, try again. Bump out and try again. We'll get you in. Let me pull up the rest of Saturday's card. And I'll get to Daniel in a second. This is actually not bad. San Hagen Fond is good. Andrade Tatiana Suarez is good fight. I like the Dustin Jacoby, Kennedy, and Chachuku fight. We get Gavin Tucker back against Diego Lopez. Diego made a, made a lot of fans in the Mazar of loyev loss. Tanner Boser's final UFC fight, more than likely, against Alexa Kamer. Ignacio Bahamande's Lud- uh, Ludwig Klein. Ione Barcelos, Kyler Phillips, Jeremiah Wells, Carlson Harris, Billy Q, Damon Jackson, Jake Hadley, Cody Durden, Sean Woodson against Dennis Bazukja, Ode Osborne versus Asu Almabayev. I mean, this is these are it's a pretty good slate. A lot of competitive fights on this card. Not a ton of star power, but good fights. There seems to be stakes in a whole bunch of them good solid card it's a good solid card all right so last call if you want to ask a question all right we got daniel Let's see if we can get him in here
6: daniel do we have you hey mike can you hear me
3: yes sir good you? good
6: top of the morning to you uh so i just got two questions here Jake Paul versus Diaz. Um, I mean, it feels like Diaz has basically shunned all media and press, done his best just to not promote this fight uh, for such a big name in Diaz and compared to Paul's last fights. It just feels like this one's kind of flying under the radar. Uh, even some of my friends who are just casual watchers, like they really had no idea it was this weekend too. Um, so just curious, how do you think that event is going to sell? Um, and then just a second question. Poirier said on Wani, if he could choose his next fight, that it would be Gaethje Trilogy. Do you think we ever see that Gaethje Poirier 3? Thanks, Mike. Um,
7: if
3: if Gaethje wins... If Gaethje wins the title and Poirier gets a win, like a meaningful win, then yeah, we could see it. And it'd be a pretty big fight. Yeah, I think it would be a pretty big fight. So, I'm not, I'm not ruling Dustin out. I think honestly Dustin losing, like I, I think the stakes were were higher for Gaethje. Like if Gaethje lost and was down 0-2 to Dustin, it would have been tough for him to get back. Like even if Dustin won the belt, it's really tough to sell a trilogy. So Gaethje would have probably been like completely out of the title picture unless he just went on this incredible run. But Poirier, there's at least a chance because if Gaethje somehow does win the belt, then they can always try to, to rebook that one. Paul I I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to sell. The next two days are very important. Like, today and tomorrow are important. There needs to be some kind of a moment. And I'm not talking about Jake Paul getting on a microphone at the press conference and talking a bunch of crap to Nate There needs to be some sort of physical altercation of some kind. There needs to be something with the Diaz team and the Paul team, a shove on stage, something they can use because Jake is trying and Nate ain't biting. And Nate's just going to make a whole bag of money. And I don't know. I don't know if this is warfare or not. Like, I, I don't, I just don't know. Maybe he's just not interested at all. Maybe he's just, eh, I got to do it now, but I really don't want this fight. But it just seemed like everything from the past two years was leading up to this moment, right? Nate, final fight in this deal, just like give me a fight, UFC, so I can get out of my contract and basically go box Jake? It seemed like we are heading in that direction. And then I was here, I I, I don't know if like, Nate has buyer's remorse. I don't know. Let me see what, like, tickets look like. Taking a gander here at the, the site. I mean, it's selling okay. Everything on the lower end is gone, according to Ticketmaster. The upper levels... The upper levels is a bunch of seats left. There's a bunch of seats in the upper levels, maybe like seven, eight hundred, maybe a little more, but everything down low is gone. I think. I think there's like one couple little sections down bottom that are like a zillion dollars. How will it do on pay per view? Hmm. If there's some kind of a shove. I I feel like 500,000 is the benchmark, but I think as of right this second with everything that's happened, I don't think it gets there. But I do think the anticipation for this fight is kind of... And as I say this... um, Let's see. What did this just say? I just got an email saying that this fight is... um, a new gate record. that's new record? It's not the record, though. Let me read this. Um, MVP, Real Fight, and American Airlines Center have today announced that the highly anticipated Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz pay-per-view on Saturday, August 5th, 2023 will be the second highest recorded gate for a combat sports event ever at the American Airlines Center. Surpassing all previously held combat sports events, Paul versus Diaz will be only exceeded by UFC 277 on July 20th, 2022, which marks the first post pandemic UFC event in Dallas. So I guess, uh guess they're pretty happy with the gate. Guess they're pretty happy with the gate, and the upper level seats are only $32. So I do think, I do think this thing's going to sell. How it gets on pay per view? If it keeps going the path that we're on, I don't know if it gets to that benchmark that I set, but I do think by the time we get there, I think I think it does like four to five. I really do.
8: Uh, Milo, what's up, man? Oh, Mike, uh, long time no see. How are you?
4: Good, man. How are I'm doing
8: you? Doing all right. Doing all right. I, I have a prediction for the future of the bantamweight division, UFC bantamweight division. Okay. Um, I don't think like uh, the fight between Aljo and Sean O'Malley will take place. I think one of them will pull out. Um, if I have to speculate, it was probably going to be Sean O'Malley. And then we'll, what's going to happen, I think uh, Hagen is going to beat Font. And uh, on a short notice, we'll fight Aljamain in a rematch for a title. Become a champion. And then I think we're going to see Sean O'Malley versus Corey Hagen fight, which I think is kind of winnable for both because they were kind of predominantly strikers. So I think it's it's interesting to see. I, I spoke about it like a while back on my podcast that I think Sanhagen is going to be a champion by the end of the year. And I hope to see it happens because I think he's one of these more humble guys, hardworking guys, you know. Uh, like he reminds me of myself, you know, in the MMA Twitter, like a really like a, just a good person overall. So I think he's going to be that, and he's going to be a champion. And uh, that's
3: that. Thanks again. Take care. So I'm, I'm going to disagree with you only because if this fight doesn't happen, Aljo's not fighting anybody else. He's not going to fight Corey Sandhagen again. Because yeah. why? Why would he take that fight? He doesn't even want to fight. Like He doesn't want to fight Abantamweight anymore. He's fighting Sean O'Malley because he's getting a big bag of money and it's like at least a bigger bag of money that he would get fighting anybody else. So he's sticking around to get the bag and then he's going to leave. So if O'Malley pulls out, Aljo's going to be like, all right, he forfeits. He'll spin it off that way and then he'll just vacate because what's the point? Why would he fight Sanhagen? Why would he fight Font? Why would he fight anybody besides Sean O'Malley? Makes no sense. For him to fight any of those guys. But you're right. Like, I do agree with you that if Sanhagen wins, he's going to fight for the belt. If Aljo... If if what you say happens, happens, and O'Malley pulls out, Sanhagen... If Sanhagen beats Font, his next fight will be for the belt. He'll probably have to fight Marab. And same with Rob. Same with Rob. Like, I think the stakes are very high in that fight. They're very high. If Aljo wins... The winner of that fight's probably getting a title shot. They're probably going to fight Marab for the belt. If Sean O'Malley wins, if this fight happens and Sean wins, all bets are off, and then it's all up to Marlon Vera. Because if Marlon beats Munoz and O'Malley wins, they're gonna the UFC is going to make that fight because it's gigantic. It's probably the biggest fight you can make in the division that includes Aljo. So. Yeah, if O'Malley pulls, Aljo's gone. He's going up to 45. He'll spit it as a forfeit, and he's gone because he can't be. He, he can't beat Corey Sanhagen any better than he did the first time, and he's not going to cut that weight to fight Sanhagen again because it's just not worth the squeeze. But that'd be a bold-ass prediction. If that comes true, you went on to the next one. J-Stat, hello. Morning, Mike Heckler, Good morning to you. Me too. Um, What are your thoughts on the Abu Dhabi card so far, Um, you know, the build of the card, and also what is next for Gabriel Bonfim in the 170-pound division? Thanks, man. So let me get the Abu Dhabi card pulled up. Bonfim, I like Randy Brown. That's the fight I like. Let's give him – let's not throw him a top 15 guy just yet. Randy Brown is like top 20, 25-ish, depending on how you put him. You go out and beat Randy Brown, you're ready for the Neil Magny's, the Kieses, if you will. But there's a – and dude's got a high ceiling. no doubt about it. That's how how I would go. I'd give him a nice little step up and – but not too crazy. Let's not give him like a top 10 guy or anything. I don't think he's ready for that. Abu Dhabi. So we got Izam Makachev, Charles Oliveira. We got Paul Costa, Hamzat Shemayev, which as soon as we get to that fight, if it happens, it's going to be the talk of the week. nasruddin Imovov, Ikramal Alaskarov. I mean, that's fine. Not having Imovov in Paris is kind of a miss, but it is what it is. And we have the Magomed Ankalaev Johnny Walker fight uh, that has been agreed upon. I mean, I this I, I told you all this is the fight was going to happen. The UFC is not like giant fans of either of these guys right now, so they're just going to throw them in there together to try to get one of them out of there. So let's uh, let's see if someone can go out there and have and have a like entertaining fight. Because there was no way they were going to give Ankle Life another title shot until he goes out there and does something fun. And he might just, and Ankle Life just might, might just be the best guy in this division. But this, it's not just about winning fights. You have to be able to put butts in seats, you have to be able to entertain, you have to be a draw. And Ankle Life is not that, at least not right now. And then you got Tim Elliott, Muhammad Wahaif, which is a really fascinating fight. I really like that one. Mohamed Mikhaev is just is missing something. He's missing that sort of killer instinct that we thought was there when he fought Cody Durden, and then it just hasn't really been there since. But Tim Elliott's going to bring that out of him, so it's got to be an interesting fight. So five fights so far, I'm curious to see what they add to it. They're going to add more. I wonder if, like, Piotr Jan fights on this card. I wonder if they add maybe, like, Armin Sarukian. Maybe they do him and Dariush on this card. That'd be a nice little addition. So we'll see. I mean, not a bad start. I mean, a tremendous one-two punch. You got makachev Oliver 2, and you got Kosta Shemayev. That is a great one-two punch. And if we could just add a, a couple more compelling bouts to that main card, you got something here. And I'm excited for it because... Uh, Hashtag early day MMA on that one. That, that's one of those ones that will start at like 11 a.m. Eastern, which is right up my alley. We'll take two more. We'll get Henderson and Adib. We'll start with Henderson, and then I got to go. Henderson, hello.
6: Thanks, to you, man. So, uh, as far as this Abu Dhabi card, I think. I mean, it's hard to confirm anything for sure, right? But it seems like a lot of these Russian fighters, Dagestani fighters, Kamzat, and Kalayev in particular can't really get to the U.S. anymore because of their connections with the Russian military and and all that that's going on over there, right? So I think that we're going to see more and more of these cards that are in, like let's say, like, Russia-neutral locations where they can get fighters like Islam and all these people in and get their teams in more importantly because like for instance trains with like Russian military people and there's no way any of those people are going to get into the United States you know and I think Khabib has even had problems because we've seen him do a lot less traveling recently so I I wonder who else is going to get added to this card but I have a strong feeling it's going to be some of these russia area fighters who have issues fighting in the u.s right so one fight that i was that you were talking about and i was thinking this is a perfect fight was the uzman Wonderboy fight i think it's perfect for both of them um and as much as it could fit for that card i don't think it'll happen just because it doesn't really help the ufc in terms of using those spots for uh fighters who can't go other places so Long story, but to get to the point, I think that Usman Wonderboy fight, which Usman has already been talking about saying it's the only fight that makes sense for him and everything. What about Australia as a co-main, right? If they do Izzy and Strickland and then make the co-main a five-round Usman Wonderboy fight, it's in, I think, five weeks. So it might be tough to do time-wise, but I don't know. Both of those guys seem to be in shape. So just wanted to know what you thought on that.
3: I mean, Hamza was able to go to London. So, I mean, there's other spots for him to go. And then Habib Habib isn't really doing anything. He's just hanging out with his family. We don't see him cornering really anybody. He's taken a, sort of a step back. Uh, he still consults and still trains when he's in the area, but he's not really cornering fighters anymore. So, I don't know. I don't know what the rest of the card's going to look like. Yeah, there are fighters with, with seemingly tr- issues with travel and We'll see a lot of them on this card. Usman Wonderboy is going to happen. It'll, I think that's the fight they're going to make. It, it, it makes all the sense in the world. MSG makes sense for that fight. Um, if you really want to load that one up, could do it in December. It's not going to happen in Australia. It's certainly not going to happen in Abu Dhabi. So I would say either MSG or the final pay-per-view is when that fight will happen, if they make it. Because the UFC could just, like, they could just be like, hey, Wonderboy, you're fighting Hamzad. Or not Hamzad, uh, Shafkot. Take it or leave it. But hopefully they just make the Usman fight and call it a day. Uh, oops. Adib, you're next. Sorry. Uh, crying Belly, Adib, and then Riley. And then I got to go.
8: Crying Belly. Hey, my, my only question to you is, do you think that there's going to be more than one knockdown this Saturday in the Jake Paul fight?
3: Hmm. No.
7: Well
3: No. I don't. I think one's a good I think one's one's a good number. Uh Adib, do we have you? Adeeb are you there? Uh
5: Once? yes. Oh, there we go. Hey. What's up, man? Yeah, hey guys, what's up? Um, So my question to you is, uh, well, I mean, I don't really know why we're talking about Usman versus uh, Wonderboy because I think that's just a one-sided fight with Usman's wrestling. Um, For me, what I'd ideally look at is uh, doing Shelfkart versus uh, Usman and then doing uh, Wonderboy versus the winner of uh, Jeff Neal and... uh, and uh, Ian Gary, or you could do uh, Wonder Boy versus uh, Jack Della madalena I think they're both great fights. Um, what's your thought on that? Um, because I don't think Wonder Boy deserves um, somebody as high up as Usman, and I think Usman just wants an easy fight to get a W and then move on from there. So, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Totally disagree. I, I think Usman is perfect, I think it's perfect for everybody, I think it's perfect for everybody. You have to think about it this way. Wonderboy is sticking around because he's hanging on by a thread in the title discussion. Usman is the fight that gets him there, or at least gets him really, really close. But it's a fight he's not going to be favored. It's, it's, it's going to be a rough—it could be a very rough night for Wonderboy. Plus, these two guys haven't fought. Wonderboy is still a very big name, very popular. Just go look at the numbers. Go look at his how many views his interview on the MMA Hour did. We're like closing in on a half a million. Wonderboy is still a popular dude. And like you said, if the UFC is trying to sort of pay Wonderboy back for not taking the Pereira fight, chuck him in there with Usman. You could spin this either way. Either they get either Usman does them a solid if they're really pissed at him, knocks him out of the title picture forever, or if Usman if Wonderboy somehow wins, they can spin this, wow, this 40 soon to be 41-year-old is going to get one last shot at the title. Because eventually, eventually, Wonder Boy is going to have to fight someone who can wrestle really well. Let's just do it now. He's not going to fight Shafkod. And you mentioned the Jeff neal Ian Gary fight. He already beat the shit out of Jeff Neal. Like, he already put a beating on Jeff Neal. So he's not going to take that fight. Ian Gary, maybe. But not now. And he's not going to fight JDM. He's not going to fight JDM right now. That that fight does nothing for him. Nothing. Zippity-doo-dah. Zip. Maybe down the line, sure. But not now. Does nothing. So. And Wonderboy has fought backwards a million times. Yeah, he lost to Burns. Yeah, he lost to Muhammad. He just fought Kevin Holland in the main event who was unranked at the time, finished him, was fighting backwards again against Michelle Pereira, who missed weight. Just give him Usman. Who cares? Usman's out of the title picture right now anyways. He just lost to Leon twice. As long as Leon's the champion, Usman's ain't getting a title fight. I think that fight's perfect. Absolutely perfect. JDM, it's too soon. Gary, it's too soon. And I think Gary probably has a better shot than JDM does. A lot of people thought JDM lost his last fight. Let's give JDM a confidence boost. Get him on that Sydney card. The only other, the only other name. I think this, they will push Shafcott to Wonderboy. The only other name I could see is Sean Brady. At least Sean Brady is like ranked one spot behind Wonderboy. So that's like in the range. But. I think they're going to go with Usman and Usman seems interested in it. So that's what they're going to do. All right, Riley, you're the last one and I have to go.
4: Riley, you're there. All right. Uh, So most people are assuming that we're going to get Poetan versus Jiri for the light heavyweight title. Uh, But now that Ankalaya versus Walker just got announced for UFC 294, I know Dana was not impressed at all with either Johnny Walker's last fight or... Magomed Ankalaev's last fight. Uh, do you think, assuming that Poetan and Jerry fight, regardless of who wins that fight, do you think Ankalaev, uh, Walker winner, gets the next title shot? Because uh, I don't think Izzy is going to be very fond of Alex going back to 185 and fighting the trilogy. Uh, if he beats po or, or if he beats Jerry.
3: Hmm. It's hard to say. It depends on how Ankalaev Walker goes. Like if Ankalaev just goes in there and just trucks Johnny Walker and like knocks him out, puts him away and it's like a fun performance, yeah, I think that'll that'll buy him some good some goodwill. Otherwise, it all depends on when this title fight's going to happen, right? Cuz they're going to do Yuri versus Alex. There's no doubt about it. That is a, just a ridiculous fight. If Alex wins, that kind of changes things a little bit because maybe you do the Izzy fight. And then we have to wait and see kind of when Jamal Hill comes back because when Jamal Hill comes back, he's going to get the first shot. And I don't know. It's, it's all going to depend on timing. It's all going to depend on timing. And it all depends on when this Yuri Alex fight happens. Does it happen before the end of the year? Does it happen early next year? How long is Jamal Hill going to be out for? Is he going to be out for an entire year? Is he one of those fighters? Like we've seen, fighters heal very quickly from some of these things, like way quicker than expected. And if I'm Jamal Hill, I'm fighting for that belt uh, before Magomed Alive gets a hold of it. Because once that guy's the champion, he's going to be champion for a long time. And it may not be the most fan friendly title reign, but once he gets that title. He's going to be very tough to beat. So, yeah, it's tough to say. It's, I think it's positioned that way. But a chess matchy decision is not going to do it. It's not going to do it. So well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right, I need to go. Thank you all very much. You are the best. We'll be back tomorrow. I don't know when because uh, the official weigh-ins for Paul Diaz are going to start. Uh, 9 a.m. local time, so 10 a.m. Eastern. So I think after everybody makes weight and does all of that, uh, we'll jump on here for like a half hour, 45 minutes, and we'll unpack it all. And that's how we're going to do it. So thank you all very much. We got the press conference for Paul Diaz coming up later today, uh, hosted by the great Aria Holani And then uh, you'll be able to watch it in its entirety. Uh, on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network or MMA Fighting YouTube channel. Jesus Christ, I'm so tired. Uh, But thank you all very much. Back tomorrow at some point. Have a great rest of your day. And as always, have a heck of a Thursday, everybody. Heck of a morning. media podcast network
8: the NBA
0: playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA DraftKings brings you same game parlays live betting odds booths and so much more you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Vox MMA that's code VoxMMA MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks